I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glass 8 Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again and we've got another conversation episode lined up for you today. Of course we have. I went out, had a little chat with another guest to bring you a lovely, creative and insightful conversation into the world of film. And today's guest is Olivia Marks. Olivia is the senior entertainment reporter at Bauer Media. She goes out there, she interviews some of the top actors in the world at press junkets and on the red carpet, quizzing them on their new films, what it's like to be in them, their thoughts on it. She really does have a great job, but she's landed some fantastic interviews over the past few years. Watching them online, you really see her style of interviewing warming to the guest and the guest warming to her and she always gets a really good rapport going so I was very intrigued to have a chat with Olivia find out what it's like to interview these stars and what her technique is how she prepares for that and what it feels like once you get in that room with them to get a good conversation going she also has a following online across Instagram and TikTok where she shares clips from her interviews but also news from the world of film and thoughts and opinions on films that she's been watching. So it's a good place to go to if you want to keep updated on the world of film but also hear about some films that she's been watching, get her insights. Always good fun video she puts out there so definitely worth checking out. Olivia's got a really unique role in interviewing these stars on a regular basis, but I was very intrigued as somebody who likes having film conversations, having chats like this, of what drove her to get into this position in the first place. Obviously, she's worked hard and works on a lot of different areas to get to where she is now, but what keeps her going? What satisfaction does she get out of these interviews? And this was something that we had a chat about. But with any of these conversations I have on the podcast, they always like to find the energy within people that they get out of film and creative areas because that's one thing I always see in common when I have chats like this is people are passionate about this industry the creative elements it brings and this was something I was intrigued to chat to Olivia about and when you listen to this conversation you'll absolutely hear that just from watching her interviews that she has with actors there's a lot of energy and warmth in there but as we chat about it we hear about how she got into that and also what keeps her satisfied when she's doing the interviews, what she's looking to get out of it and the enjoyment she gets out of having these conversations with the actors. Building a rapport with someone that you've not met before in a very quick interview environment is definitely a skill. So again, this was fascinating to discuss with Olivia. And as you'll hear in this conversation, she talks you kind of through the technical element of how to get a great interview with an actor when you've only got a few minutes straight in at a press junket. How do you get that warmth going straight away? How do you get a rapport developed, but still get a good interview out of that person ask the right questions and that is something beyond just being interested in speaking to people about film and turning up to these star studied events is from a interview perspective how does she land these great questions and get clips that go viral across the internet something we discussed and i'm sure you'll all be intrigued about so listen up for that along in this conversation My chat with Olivia was recorded in August 2023 in a quaint little theatre at the back of a bookshop in London. It was a properly delightful setting for an arty conversation. I really loved sat in there chatting about filming, something that has obviously had a lot of artistic productions put on there. So big thank you to Olivia for coming and joining me there. And as you'll hear, 
I really enjoyed the conversation and the setting only added to that as well. But that's enough from me. Here's my conversation with Olivia Marks. Olivia, hello. Thank you for joining me for having a nice little chat today. And thank you for coming to this nice little space we're in, in London. A nice uh, old theatre. I just saw these seats and thought it looks quite cinematic. It would be nice for a, a chat about film and all things creative. So thank you for coming along. Thank you for having me. It's gorgeous in here. Yeah, it's lovely. And now it's inspiring me to want to put a play on. I'm seeing that I can come out of that door and do some kind of one-person <laughs> show. But, you know, that's for another day. That's for another day. Um, but, yeah, I've been excited, excited to chat uh, chat with you. Because, obviously, you interview some really big film stars. That's what you do day to day. I love film. We all love film on this podcast. It'd be great to get a bit of your insight into what you do on the daily, but also why you love film and the world of entertainment um, as much as you do. So I just wanted to firstly ask you, where did that interest stem from when you were younger? What made you think this is the kind of industry I want to be in? I feel like when I was younger, I've always had such an interest and obsession with pop culture. So I've always been one of those people that's always had an obsession. So it started off with Kylie Minogue. She was okay. like the first person I was like, oh my God, wow. It's always kind of been like music people actually. Okay. Um, so it started off with Kylie and I just adored this woman. First concert I went to, I was a massive, massive, massive fan. I, fan, I still am. And then it kind of moved to Lady Gaga nice. and I'm like a die hard Lady Gaga fan. I've seen some good coverage on your social media channels. <laughs> I'm basically her PR person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Um, so I'm absolutely obsessed with her, always have been. And I just love film as well. So I've always just had this real interest in celebrity, pop culture, that sort of world. Um, and I'm a huge musicals fan mm -hmm. so I've always like loved musicals growing up that sort of thing so I've, I've always kind of been like that which is strange as well because my parents aren't like that mm -hmm. I've got three other three siblings they're not like that I'm kind of the only one like they don't really care about celebrities or anything they're like how can you spend your day caring about this woman Lady Gaga who doesn't even know that you exist yeah. but for me I that's that's what I love like I love being a fan mm -hmm. Oh, there's something captivating about that whole world as well, isn't it? And I think that's something, a through line that I get from a lot of people who speak to in this area. It's not one thing you can necessarily put your finger on, but it's like people get caught up in the excitement, mm. film, culture, media, everything related with that. So, I, yeah, I fully align with that. In terms of your role now, how you're interviewing big film stars, going to press junkets on the red carpet, in terms of specifics and how you kind of then step more into the film world, what did that step involve and how did you find yourself kind of surrounded in that world doing what you're doing? So I studied broadcast journalism mm -hmm. at University in Leeds um, because I knew that like journalism was something that I wanted to go into. Like I love talking to people, love people, love hearing people's stories. Um, studied that, absolutely loved it. Had a great time there, great course. I think it's now changed to journalism actually. Okay. So it's not like the broadcast element anymore. And then I got my first job working in Birmingham mm -hmm. for a local TV station, which basically involved me going around the whole of the West Midlands, interviewing people, all local stories. Um, but I got to do everything in terms of doing my own filming, um, presenting, editing, doing like all of these jobs in one. It was crazy, but it really skilled me. Um, and set me aside for other candidates when I went to move on from that. Mm -hmm. um, so after then, I think I did that for about a year and a half. And then I moved to London to freelance for ITN, who produced the news for ITV News, Channel 4 News, Channel 5 News. I worked for Channel 5 News. 
um, as an assistant news editor and also as a planner. So I was planning stories and then setting up stories for reporters and helping the news editor, like going from obviously local news to then national news, like reacting to huge breaking stories. Um, so it was really good, great experience. Um, and then this job came about and I didn't even know that jobs like this existed. Yeah. I was like, wow, this, this is too good to be true. Like this really is my dream job. Like, if I can do almost like journalism, but mix that with celebrity and pop culture, like that's just, I always watched like E! News when I was growing mm -hmm. up. I was like, oh, these jobs don't exist in the UK. Like it's just in America, these kind of things. Um, and luckily got the job and it, this is just so much more suited to me than say news. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I love it. I get that. And I think a lot of people will relate to that of where do these jobs exist? Like, same, I fully thought that in the past and I don't know, I imagine a lot of people relate to it. And just going back a little bit there, I know you said that you found this job and you went into it, but you went down initially university path of studying mm. broadcast journalism. But was there anything you did outside of that to then take a step and help you get towards the industry that you're in now? And how much would you say that balance between actually studying it and doing your own thing kind of contributed to getting you to what you're doing now? Yeah, so when I was at Leeds, I did like loads of work experience. I did like work experience with the BBC. That was actually part of my course. They did, we did a placement. Um, so I was always trying to do as much experience as I could. I think I did work experience. Where I work now, Bauer, mm -hmm. I did like an academy with them. So learning how to like present and stuff like that. I was always trying to do as much experience as I could. Um, and then also I was involved with lead student television. Okay, nice. um, I wish I did more, to be honest, yeah. when I was at uni. Um, I was quite shy okay. um, when I was at uni. I feel like as I've grown older, like mm -hmm. I've got confidence as I've gotten older, but back then I was quite shy. Um, and I didn't have any friends who had like the same interests as me and wanted to kind of go into like media. So I found it quite hard to put myself out there. And I wish, one of my regrets is I wish I did more. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd go out sometimes like with my cousin out on the street in Birmingham when I was working there and do my, some of my own stuff. So I'd like speak to locals on the street about like the Birmingham accent, like do stupid, funny things like that. And one of the videos I did got like crazy number of views and that really helped in like getting this job because mm -hmm. what I do now is a lot, a lot of the content that we create there's a lot of pressure on that to go viral and get numbers. So like it's it was good that I had that experience of going out, speaking to people on the street, just regular people, yeah. and I knew how to create like viral content. Um, so I'd always say to people, if you want to go into this industry, create your own content. I mean, when I was starting, there was no TikTok. Yeah. That that wasn't a thing now. Mm -hmm. like I'm on TikTok. I talk about entertainment news stories, try and post some of my clips on there. So I'd say you have the means now to create content. So go out and do it, absolutely. I wish I did more of that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's fascinating you say that because I think that's one of the problems in the media industry. There's a lot of people out there who probably want to get involved, but all other careers are kind of put out there as here's a set path to do it. Whereas you're almost left to fight for yourself and without much advice of what to go and do. And you saying that of going out and doing stuff, whether it be through the university uh, TV station, actually making your own content that kind of, you can see how that all then links up to get to where you are. Mm. I think that is the point with anything 
creators, isn't it? It's like going, doing something, finding up your niches and developing it yourself. So I think, yeah, that's a good piece of advice for anyone listening. Just get stuck in and now the opportunities that are out there to actually film stuff and put yourself yeah, out there. Yeah, exactly. Like creating your opportunities. I remember Phoebe Waller-Bridge said, I think it was like in an interview that I watched, that she would write her own stuff because no one was casting her in, the, mm-hmm. in anything. So she created it for herself. And I feel like that is su- it's such an important thing to go by to try and create your own opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the ideas. Like just go out and yeah. do it because it doesn't have to be with a, an end point in mind of, oh, I'm doing this to get there. If you do it, develop what you go down. Mm. You, can, you can find paths for yourself. Um, all right, so more specifically on film. So obviously you're interviewing a lot of big actors and the regulars. So I imagine over the years you've got a real insight that most people won't get into the minds of actors, what they're doing on the day-to-day and what they view as part of their films. But for you, after watching a lot of films and and covering these junkies, what makes a great film? What grabs you and pulls you into some of your favourite films that you're like, okay, that's inspired me to go and ask some big questions on it? Um, So for me, obviously everyone's different with what they love. Um, It's very subjective. Of course. Um, but for me, I feel like I'm quite, I'm not very, I don't love like a very artsy film. Mm-hmm. I'm quite basic in what I love. <laughs> if it's a musical, that. that's a big tick for yeah, me. Yeah. I love musicals. Like one of my favourite films is Cabaret. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I love West Side Story as well. And mm-hmm. I love the Spielberg version. For me, the Spielberg version was like an enhanced version of the original. Um, but for me, I actually love a gripping film. Okay. I love something that just grips me. In terms of what's recently come out, I thought Barbie was unbelievable. Yeah. I had high hopes for it and it lived up to it lived up to the hype. I thought it was so I love something that's clever clever mm-hmm. that's thought provoking and I feel like Barbie ticked a lot of those boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of love for Barbie on this podcast. So um I'm glad to not hear. On your own I'm bed. glad to hear. And um like I think as well, like what they did with Barbie in terms of the promotional elements and, mm. and the PR around that, and this is what I've loved about it as well. Like is taking it beyond just being a film; it's something to connect with people as well. And um, so, when you've seen the coverage on that, and I was going to ask you this a bit later, but I, I think it's a good question to ask now. In terms of we've just gone through a big summer of film, like a lot of people saying, "Okay, cinema's been reinvigorated by the whole Oppenheimer madness." Mm. Do you think that is a bit of a turning point for the industry where we're at and what that kind of publicity has kicked on from it? Or does that feel like a bit of a one-off in an industry that is still struggling to get going yeah. again? To me, it feels like, sadly, a bit of a one-off. Okay. Um, in this, I don't know. I feel like Barbie was something that was so exciting. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, a, it's nostalgic for people. Um I feel like that's a movie that people were just so excited by, like Greta Gerwig, incredible cast. Mm -hmm. Just something a bit different as well. It's Mm -hmm. not like a sequel to something. It's not Marvel. It's just something different, but that grabs grabs people and is exciting for people. And then Oppenheimer, that film's always going to do well. It's Christopher Mm -hmm. Nolan, and it's an unbelievable cast. But I think that Barbie really helped Oppenheimer massively. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go in the next quarter um but i think i mean things i don't think are looking great especially with the writer strike and the sag strike i'm not that optimistic which is a shame um but i mean you see how well 
Marvel films perform in cinemas. And I guess that that's what, at the moment, that's what audiences are, are after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get that. And I, I agree with that in the sense that it feels like, even though it's been very exciting mm. to see, and I kind of want to keep riding that wave of like, oh, everyone's been queuing for the, for the cinema and actually going to a cinema and being like, oh, you didn't, didn't book. Like normally you're just strolling in. And weirdly how these two films have crashed together and created something a bit bigger as well. Um, but yeah, still a lot of challenges for the, the cinema industry, especially like you're seeing with the strikes as well. So we hope, we live mm. in hope. We're going back to your interviewing as well. And this will be a good question for me to ask as well, doing the podcast. But when you're going into an interview or you're looking back on ones you've done or some of uh, the interviews you might watch online of other people, what makes a good interview and what is it that you are looking to get out of the person you're speaking to for the audience to be captivated and be like, Okay, yeah, I got something from that. So I think for a lot of the interviews that I do, they're only like five minute long interviews. So I go into a room and I'm literally forced to create a good connection, good rapport with someone for five minutes. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a long time at all. So in that five minutes, what I try to do is try to get the most interesting answers as I can in that short space of time. So for me, my priority is always trying to think of like out of the box original questions, just so I get something different, which is also nice for them when they're getting a lot of the time the same questions over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and then I just think matching someone's energy as well is really okay. important, yeah, yeah. Um, which I wouldn't do at the start when I first started mm-hmm. this. Like I'd go in really high energy and someone fair enough would be like you know maybe a bit tired or they've done so many of these the last thing they want is someone that's like super high energy um so I've kind of like learned to like match people's energies when I'm doing interviews um and then just like go off their vibe as well um like sometimes people can be really short with answers and give longer answers um so it's kind of like going off how they are but also going in prepared wanting to maximize like you you've got say a massive name you want to maximize that full time with them mm-hmm. like you've been given a great opportunity to speak to this person really try and get the most out of them that you can yeah. and i think by coming up with out of the box questions different different questions that that's a way of doing that yeah. Yeah, yeah um but listen if i do an interview that's 10 minutes long on the rare occasion i get a double slot it's always so much easier because I'm more relaxed mm-hmm. because I know I've got the time um, to get through it and I can pace it, like I can pace it a bit slower. Sometimes if it's a five minute interview, I watch the footage and I'm like, oh my God, I was talking so quickly there. <laughs> because in your mind, you know that you've got these four questions and you want to ask all of them mm-hmm. and you're like rushing through. But if you've got longer, I notice if I've got a longer interview, my interviews are always so much better. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people that you watch online, depending on who they are, they might have slightly longer, which does make for a better interview. Okay. Um, but yeah. I can see that because you kind of got to go without the niceties as well. You just straight in. Straight in, get yeah. to the point, which is tricky to get a, a rapport going mm. in that sense. So as you said, when you first started, um, you know, you developed the idea of matching people's energy. But I'm intrigued by that first few interviews you will have done going from doing some local journalism to then going right there's a big name actor go in there and ask them some questions how did that feel and how did you find yourself adapting to that yeah well for me it's obviously 
as someone who is a fan, like it's so exciting being put in front of these people and you think like, oh, showbiz, like it's exciting, it's this, mm -hmm. it's that. So I'd go in like very high energy and which is just not the right way to do it. Like I watch mm -hmm. my old interviews back. I'm like, I cringe so much. Like yeah. this was terrible. Like this is so bad. Why did I ask this? But I don't like, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you shouldn't shy away if you're starting out and you look back at your old stuff stuff even from like I don't know even if I look back at my stuff from like six months ago you're always learning and you're always changing and you're developing your own style and I don't think that's anything to shy away from I was talking to my friend this morning about it actually I was like oh I really want to dive into some old interviews but I can't because I'm so embarrassed by them yeah but, but I guess that's that means that you're learning and that means that you're constantly improving which is only a good thing you put yourself on show as well mm. as much as the focus is there meant to be on the person you interview it's still a bit of a performance piece mm. from yourself because you're there going okay so how do i approach this i've got to get something out of this person as well so i can see absolutely there you're going from it in a as a totally new into the area you will develop over that time so yeah that's quite fascinating yeah and also like news interviews that I was doing that that it's so different like they're very much they're more like rigid and like you've got your questions yeah, okay. like it's more serious mm. um whereas in the kind of interviews that I do you've got more opportunity to showcase your personality mm. and to bounce off someone and make those jokes and yeah it's a completely different thing so how much of it are you going in as a fan asking a question or how much do you have your mind on the edit down the line because obviously you're coming from a journalistic background not just as a presenter going mm. in there to ask the questions like what's the balance there when you're going at it i think when i come up with questions i always have in mind like what am i genuinely interested in what's going to create a really interesting answer and what what do people care about mm -hmm. what does the listener what do people online what do they want to know um and then also what i have to think about now is what's going to get what's going to go viral what do people yeah. want to hear like that is now what we have to think about when we put content out there um so i kind of always have those questions in mind like what's going to spark the most interesting answer but also sometimes what do i kind of want that person talking about what okay. would be good for that person to talk about i know that a lot of the time you can't control what someone's going to say or like where the conversation's going to go and those are sometimes the best answers i get but sometimes if you get one person, you're like, oh, I really would like them talking about this role from their mm -hmm. careers. Try and think of a way to, to do that. So in that scenario, like how much pressure do you feel in that? Because obviously you're trying to think of the end point mm. for with the danger of if you're trying to think about that set end point too much and forcing the conversation yeah. one way, you're not being natural about it. Does it does it feel pressure and how do you get over that to make it feel relaxed? Yeah. It's a hard it's really it's hard. It's a really hard balance, especially when you've got people that you work with being like, We need to get this person yeah. talking about this. <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. Um and also I am most definitely an absolute perfectionist, which okay. I hate. Um so yeah, it's hard and I beat myself up a lot of the time. If I walk out of an interview and I maybe don't get something or I'm like, oh, I should have asked this or I shouldn't have rushed this so much. It happens, you beat yourself up about it. But if you're not doing that, then do, do you really care? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll often come out of an interview and be like, oh, I, should have, I wish I said this. But 
it's because I care so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people wouldn't notice of where I messed up, but... And especially when what you're getting out of it are the few minutes of sound bites that you need for the clips you're putting out there, where you're kind of probably thinking about the little bits in between that mm. necessarily aren't going to be important to the end edit, but it's like, oh, we should have yeah, exactly. in that direction. Okay. TikTok, you mentioned that before. So you put a lot of content on TikTok, a mixture of the interviews you've done, but also news updates, films that you've watched and things like that. What's that world been like? And what's it like putting content on there, interacting with people directly and obviously tailoring stuff to that short form of content? I think it's great. Like I only wish I jumped on it when it <laughs> first came out in like 2019. I think I only jumped on it in like 2021. Um, I just wish I started earlier. Uh, but it's great. It's such a, I think it's like, it's one of the biggest social media yeah. platforms now. And it's just a really good way of getting content out there. Like, I feel like people are seeing my stuff way more now than they were prior to TikTok. It's just a really, really, really good platform. Um, yeah. And I just really enjoy, I just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think that the whole social media angle of people interacting with interviews but also actors and celebrities directly impacts how the kind of press and media is done now because you think historically yes you'd have had red carpet and press junkets but that's kind of the only access you really get to these actors whereas now you've got this more regular insight but shorter form quicker clips mm. does that affect you think how the press is done and do you think it does also affect how we interact with actors definitely because now you go to an interview and because of social media, there are so many more outlets doing yeah. interviews. So you've got like Lad Bible, BuzzFeed, all of these social social platforms, companies that are doing interviews and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been there before social media. So now, because there's more people trying to get time with talent, you're limited on timing. So maybe like, I don't know, 10 years ago, five minute slots wouldn't exist. Mm. Everyone would get their 10 or 15 minutes, however long. Now everything's cut back more okay. because there's so many more outlets. And it's also harder to secure time with talent because there are more outlets. Mm -hmm. So they'll prioritize certain people. Maybe they'll prioritize television. Maybe they'll prioritize social. Um, and then also everything now is so closely monitored. Everything's so like monitored. Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Everything's like more controlled, okay. in a sense, mm -hmm. um, because of social media, because of people's access to celebrities now, and also cancel culture. Of course. Um, yeah. People are worried about saying saying something that could get them cancelled. Mm -hmm. So things are just really closely monitored and controlled a lot more than they were, I imagine, before I started out. So do you think the growth of more social-focused outlets and online ones have influence the direction more traditional outlets have gone so obviously like at Bowie you've got radio stations and magazines which you put down as more traditional media outlet mm. but the the stuff that you need to put out via their platforms is that more influenced by the way that social first outlets have gone yeah I mean for us Bauer we're ultimately like a radio magazine company but for us we're always thinking about video, always thinking about social. Like my team, we were called the Ent Hub. We've now changed to be called the Video Hub. Okay. Like we think now video first for everything yeah, yeah. Um, because there are so many opportunities mm -hmm. and you can get more more eyes on that content. If you, you know, you can put something on TikTok, easily get millions of views. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, because that fascinates me. And like, as much as love the world of film and everything involved with it, it intrigues me how they put them out there and the different ways that that goes. And as you say, like now there's this like focus on shorter snippets, mm. the funnier kind of interactions and things like that. So the fact that TikTok's grown so quickly but has such an impact in this industry as well, I think, endlessly fascinating. One thing I definitely wanted to ask you about was red carpets. Mm. So that seems like a whole different challenge and, and setup and everything. And I've heard you in a, another interview talking about how you much prefer doing the sit-down interviews. There's a bit more control there and you can get some conversation going. But what's the experience like of the red carpet? Because the difference there is if you're like, they're trying to grab people. Again, you've got to get very quick stuff, but it's a constant convey about how do you manage that? It's so chaotic. It is so chaotic, especially like the la- I think the last red carpet I did was the Barbie one. Mm-hmm. And that was just, it was just crazy. Yeah. Like there was so, there was, for that film especially, I mean, so many incredible names wanting to talk to everyone. I didn't even see Ryan Gosling on that red carpet. It was so packed. He didn't come over. We got Margot, we got Greta and great. But there was just so many people. And then you only, you only get like one question and Mm -hmm. their people are like one more question, like one question only or trying to drag them away from you. And you're always a bit cheeky and try and ask another one. And then you've got people around you jumping in. jumping over you when you're trying to ask a question like other journalists and it's about trying to be respectful with each other but some people will be cheeky and jump over you and you want to get the content so they're they're really they're really tricky but they're good fun especially if they're long but especially if I'm standing around mates who Mm -hmm. are there as well it can be fun how does it work is it is it just a free-for-all that you get access and you've got to grab what you can or do you have a set slot where some of your teams go in ushering people over? So you've got the people, you've got like the PR people who are standing on the carpet mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so's coming over. Would you like time with them? And they'll bring them over to you. Okay. But then you've got the talent reps who will be like, one question only or, right. or drag them away yeah. or... Sometimes you'll request time with certain people. Like for us, for example, with Barbie, we're like, oh, obviously we want Ryan. Mm-hmm. He didn't come over, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, No, and I see, and, but it does provide a lot of those good video snippets, yeah. like you said, because it's a different environment. And also you've got um, the talent in a bit more of an open-air, real-world scenario. You can get those ones. And exactly. I noticed from a lot of clips you put out there, you get a lot of good feedback from the people you interview. I've noticed one with Tom Cruise recently. You did, and it was it, um, Becca Ferguson as well. <laughs> so you seem to be getting some good feedback on the questions that you're asking. But, um, yeah, it does look like a free-for-all when you're, when you're out there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's always better when say a lot of the time I'll go to a red carpet on my own and just have to stand there like with my microphone asking my questions and filming on my phone at the right, same time okay. whereas if I go with like someone that's actually filming it's so much easier yeah. so much easier so much less pressure mm-hmm. when I'm trying to get everything myself which is a lot of the time most of the time then it's really really challenging right. yeah yeah, yeah. it's good fun you're thinking about actually getting that person yeah. to speak to you but then recording it filming them Asking a question, trying to maximise your time with them when they've got like people trying to drag them away, yeah. screaming fans, just every, it's, it's chaotic. Yeah. It's absolute chaos. And you have to stand there for about two and a half hours before the talent even arrives. Okay. Um, but yeah, once they're, when they're good, they're really good fun. Yeah. yeah. And that one clip can really do the rounds. Yeah, of it, it I've noticed good. that I think red carpet stuff for us does 
huge numbers. Right. Yeah, huge numbers. And I feel like it's, it's like, as you say, like they're there kind of like in the open world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. You see them and like, oh, it's like, raining, they're a little bit wet yeah. and they're there, like the wind's blowing through. Oh, look. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like they don't that. look as, obviously they still look gorgeous and everything, but they don't look as polished yes. because they've not yeah. got a million lights or mm-hmm. cameras on them. It's more just like normal, like they're just standing outside and you can kind of get up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. I couldn't have this chat with you without asking you about your showbiz friendship with Olivia Coleman. Oh, my love. <laughs> I love watching the videos of you chatting with her. How did that begin? Um, and uh, how many times have you were interviewed now? She is just <laughs> the nicest woman ever. She yeah. is just everything that you would love in an interviewee. She's amazing. Um, so I think I first interviewed her for The Crown when she was in that Um and I walked in, they were like, oh, Olivia, this is Olivia. So immediately they're like, oh, we share the same name, yeah. like make a joke of that. And she's just so funny, so easy. She's just like a regular person. She's mm-hmm. not like a celebrity. She's just like, I don't know, just like a person that you could be friends with. That's how she makes you feel anyway. I um, so I interviewed her for The Crown and then I interviewed her for The Lost Daughter okay. and that was virt- virt- virtual. Um, she was lovely for that and I kind of make a joke like, oh, you know, you said that I was your favourite. She's like, oh, of course you are, yeah. all of that. So I kind of carried on that joke and had a really lovely chat with her. Then I interviewed her again for a series she did called Landscapers, which was brilliant if you haven't seen it. Um, and I was in New York at the time, actually. I woke up at five o'clock in the morning to do the interview. I was like, only for Olivia Coleman <laughs> would I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Had another great chat. And then I interviewed her for Empire of Light, which I really loved. Yes. Um, and a lot of people actually didn't love it. I remember in the screening, they were like, oh, did you really love that? I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, interviewed her for that. And she was just delightful again. Just so, so. And I thanked her at the end. I said, you're always so kind to me she's like oh we love you just so nice such a nice lady they're great clips that you you put out there of your interviews with and and she does come across as as you say just very very lovely and you can see that to be so lovely that talented it's just everything that you'd want in Mm -hmm. a person that you're a fan of um she's she's made because of how lovely she is she's made me a proper proper fan she's just she's just the best yeah really 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 lovely lady that's all you can ask for in an interview isn't it but on that note obviously the talent and their agents want to get something specific out of it but what is it you want from an actor when you're speaking to them like what's your dream scenario when you're going into uh the interview with your questions that they're coming back to you with and then you think yeah that's gone well i want to hear like that's a good question like for me that's job well done like i've asked something different i've asked something that they haven't thought about that day Mm -hmm. for me that's the sign of I've done a good job. Also to have them laughing. Mm-hmm. I want to have them laughing. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to be bored. Um, I just want them to be engaged um, and to feel like when I walk, when I've walked out, or they were impressed by my questions. They were impressed with the conversation and they had a good time. The worst is when I don't want to walk out and feel like they were so uninterested. Okay. They yeah. were really bored, um, which it's ha- like it's happened. Of, yeah. course, of course it happens. Um, but yeah, that if I get that's a good question, that's job well done in my eyes. Do you get any input on who you want to interview? Do you get to like put forward like, can we just put the feelers out to have a chat with this person at some point? Uh, 
I think it's hard to get time with people if they're not promoting something. Yeah. Because, say, they'll always be, be filming or, like, living their life or with their family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's me and my colleague who do interviews, so there's two of us. Mm-hmm. And it's great because we both, both have completely different taste as to who our faves are. So I'll be like, say if Olivia Coleman comes up, she'll be like, obviously, Liv, you're doing the interview yeah, with Olivia yeah, Coleman, yeah. and she likes different people. She's more into like Marvel, um, and she loves like more artists, singers than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a good split. So if someone comes up, I'll always be like, oh, can I do this person? Or she'll say, can I? She do this person. It's always fair. And do you have anyone top of your list that you're after interviewing? I'll tell you who's absolutely top of my list. I love Kate Blanchett. Okay. And I would love to interview her. She's top of my list. I was gutted because I thought that we'd get time with her for Tar. Okay. And we didn't in the end. Um, but she's top of my list. Is she working on anything at the minute? Do you keep I track of her like projects? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I feel like she's always working. Yeah. I feel like she has a new film coming out fairly soon. Okay. But yeah, she's definitely her. Nicole Kidman. Um, really want to speak to her. I'm trying to think who else. There's so many. There's a lot. Well, I wish you luck Sam on your pursuit there. <laughs> Loads. What about... So a lot of the interviews you do will be... The press room, you know, it's like a secure room, like mm-hmm. it's quite similar to the setting. But now and again, do you get the opportunity to ever do... Say you've got a slightly longer one that's in a bit more of a unique setting. And on top of that, are there any ideal settings where you think, I'd love to do an interview in this specific space? Yeah, so... Sometimes we get, well, a lot of the time we get talent coming to our studios where we work. Um, and if they come to us, that means that I get most of the time longer with talent mm-hmm. and we'll do like specific formats with them. So a lot of the time, the things that I'm doing, they're actually producer led and I'm not even in them. So I'll be producing okay. on the side. Um, and I feel like when we're talking about social media and stuff, that's another thing that's kind of come with the popularity of social media mm-hmm. and how that's grown. It's like, you, the celebrity behind the colour roll and they're answering questions or doing Got something you. silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we do more of that now, mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, I personally prefer like doing the interviews. Um, but like we have this feature that we do called My Life in Movies where we'll get an actor, sit down with them and I'll have 40 minutes to discuss okay. um, some of their like most famous films. And for me, that is like, that's like my ideal interview. Like that, that's yeah. what I've loved the most because I've got the time And you've got like a proper conversation where you can talk about their work and their career so far, which I personally find really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I've done that in studio with like Sam Claflin. Like that was a really good one because he's been in so many great stuff. Um, Did it with Will Poulter, but that was on, that was virtual. Um, Did it with Paul Feig, the director. Mm -hmm. Um, And George Mackay, who's really He's been in some good stuff as well. So those are the kind of things that I actually really enjoy where yeah. when they come in and it's also, it's a really nice studio. It looks great. Yeah. And we can have a proper in-depth conversation. As you said before, it comes down to time. If you spend mm, more time with yeah. someone, you can build that bit more rapport. Exactly. Rather than having to get the the sound bite each time. And I imagine from their perspective as well, if like they're constantly having five minute conversations with people it's just this big like merry-go-round of people it's exhausting. that you just kind of like oh, who's that who's yeah. that so what keeps you still motivated of doing this of speaking to celebrities talking about films wanting to research it and things like that because a lot of people I speak to in this area obviously film 
entertainment, everything in that area. It's constant. There's always more of it. So a lot of people from the outside might be like, would you not just get sick of doing, keep watching stuff and speaking to people about it? I obviously love it. And this drives me to speak to people like you and feel that passion and excitement of it. But what keeps you driven on to keep wanting to do stuff in this area? I just get such a buzz from it. I, as I say, I just love films. Mm -hmm. Like for me, this is the dream, like getting to go and see a film and then speaking to the stars about it. Um, And then also just more goals as well. Like, there's people that I want to interview. Like I want to speak. I want to sit down with Kate Blanchett. Yeah. <laughs> I want to sit down with Lady Gaga, um, and also just constantly improving as well. Like looking back and being able to be like, oh, I've come so far, or I'm actually proud of where I've got to now, and I think my stuff's actually like good now. I can say I'm really happy with it. So just constantly improving as well. That keeps me motivated. I want to be mm. the best that I possibly can. So where do you see then you? As apart from your aims of specifically you want to speak to, are there any other areas that you'd like to tackle in terms of interview formats or styles or platforms and things like that? I just my dream would just be to do longer form interviews mm-hmm. with talent um, and be able to do that on a bigger scale. Like for me, that is that is the dream. Just to be able to sit down with someone and have that be seen by so many people and have the time with that person to really do a great interview. Um, that's that's the goal for me. Mm-hmm. So where do you kind of see them like with the industry going in the future? Because it's something I often chat to people about this and I'm intrigued by it because you've got the constant battle of streaming against cinema, what we were discussing before we started recording of the strikes and everything related to the studios and, and the inclusion of uh, pay and everything with that. But then, also how people engage with it and say with social media because I agree in that sense I love having these longer form conversations obviously we're speaking being in the industry chatting about it but you're speaking directly with people who are involved in the talent and things like that but there's so much to be gotten from having these longer conversations and 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 sharing that emotion because at the end of the day that's kind of what film is it's you know expression and outlet of emotion but when you need to bring that down to the sound bites, obviously you've got the social media focus there. But where do you see it going? You think it's going to be more? We have to everything go to the shorter stuff. Do you think still think cinema can survive against the streaming? Like from your experience in the industry, what's your view of the future of it? Mm. I know it's I, a lot to ask yeah, you there, so I'm not, I'm not giving you the full view on everything. It's actually <laughs> not something that I think about that much. Um, I think what I will say is that I think that people's attention spans because of social media mm-hmm. have, people don't really have attention spans yeah. anymore. Like even speaking for myself, mm-hmm. like TikTok has made my attention span so bad. Yeah. Um, like, I'm constantly like flicking through timelines and stuff. Um, but I feel like that there is, and that always will be such an appetite for film. Mm-hmm. People want, People love movies. People want to see movies. I don't think that will ever disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of streaming, I mean, we've seen how that's kind of like changed the landscape. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know how that's gonna. I don't know how things are gonna change. I don't know. Yeah, like what do you think? Yeah, I kind of feel like well, streaming's there, isn't it? And like yeah. as much as when you can chat to people about film going, oh yeah, cinema needs to keep going. I mean, we all love streaming for what it can provide. Yeah. Like I'll endlessly watch films and mm-hmm. series on there. It's amazing. But what I think this summer's proven as well is people still do absolutely love going to the cinema. So it's how do you get that balance? And um, 
one one of the episodes of chatting to um, Damien Spanley at Curzon, who's in charge of their programming. And his point was that it needs to be more of the experience of the cinema. It's not necessarily just the notion of going to the cinema, but that night out as it might have been 50 years ago of you go in, there's the bar to chat about it. There's the whole experience of it being an evening to consume the film, but then socialise as part of it. And I really kind of feel that as well. Like, I, mean, I agree with that. Film is a social yeah. element. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I feel like, you you know, that's why like every month have been so popular. Yeah. It's like a more ex- experience of going and like that more luxurious experience. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that uh, continues to kind of like drive me towards it. It gives me hope that there's still a lot to go for. Um, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to kind of ask more in the future of anything that you might be working on. Are there any films coming out, anything in the future that you're excited about in the industry or any projects you're currently working on? So at the moment... That you can talk be- about, of course. <laughs> at the moment, things are super quiet because of the strikes. Um, so anything that I was really excited about, sadly, isn't happening at the moment. Um, so fingers crossed they can solve that soon. Um, and yeah, in terms of like what I'm doing... I started, I've only done one so far, but I started like my own format uh, so I can have that longer form Mm -hmm. um, content and interviews with talent, um, which is basically a conversation. It's a series called Faves on Faves where I want to, I've only done one of them, speak to actors about who the person is that they've always really looked up to in the industry how it shaped the person that they are and like how it feels to be that person for so many people now um and also just a bit about their career um so I did it with Rhea Norwood who is in Heartstopper on Netflix um and that was great and like the first one it's got like over a million views um altogether in terms of like the clips from that so it did super well and then I was planning on doing some more with other people but that stopped because of the strike so I'm just keen to try and I would just want that to kind of mm-hmm. kick off and get that off the ground, really. Sounds great. Love the idea of that premise. I can see that definitely working. Yeah. So, yeah. Best of luck and keep chipping away. And hopefully the industry can get itself sorted oh, out in the near future and we not have a big backlog of stuff as long as it could be. But, um, well, thank you very much. It was uh, great to chat to you. I think it's been great to get an insight into not just what you do, but also how you've gotten yourself into the industry. Because I'm endlessly fascinated how people's roots into it, why they're passionate about film and everything that comes around it. So that's all been great to hear about. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Well, there we have it. That was my conversation with Olivia Marks. And as I said at the top of this podcast, for me, someone who loves interviewing people and having conversations about all things film related, chatting to Olivia, who does that on a regular basis with some of the biggest actors in the world, it was a really insightful conversation for me. I was really grateful for Olivia sharing all of her insights from working in, this, in the industry for so long, but it was also fascinating to hear about how she prepares for interviews, what she's looking to get out of it with one mind on the edit, but how she stays in the moment and gets that back and forth going with an actor. All great tips for me for the podcast, of course, but it was lovely to share those insights and get a little peek behind the curtain of what goes on in that industry and how these interviews are crafted. It's always really satisfying to speak to people who are doing something that they're really passionate about. And 
as Olivia shared in this conversation, her love for films, the industry, her long-held love for certain stars and the celebrity around that, it was clear that the situation she's got herself in and what she does on a regular basis is something that means a lot to her. She has a lot of passion and drive for it. And I really get a lot from that when I speak to someone who feels the energy for what they do. And this is something that I mention a lot on this podcast when we have conversations with creative individuals. It's that energy and passion that really comes through. And as she talked about how she got the role she does and how she's developed a TikTok account and the interviews that she has, it's all come through a drive that she's had for years to want to go out there, speak to people, ask interesting questions, but be amongst this world that she really loves and is fascinated by. And to have someone share that with me, who I also have a, uh, a love for the industry and feel that passion, it's always very inspiring. And I'm sure you could hear that through everything that Liv was saying and all of the stories she was telling of the interviews that she's given. But you can absolutely also see that passion come through, not just in her interviews, but in the TikTok videos that she puts out there. There's always a lot of warmth in them, but they're always great watches, very entertaining, but she gives some great insights as well. And you don't want to be watching videos that people put out there and they've got no love or interest in what they're doing or talking about, where that is definitely not the case with Olivia's videos. So if you go on TikTok, check out what she's talking about. There's always a great film review or some film updates on there that I'm sure you'll connect with straight away. So if you do want to check her out on TikTok, she's at Olivia Lily Marks. I'll put the link in the description, but if you head over there, she's got loads of videos and regular posting. So on top of seeing her interviews online and listening to them put, being put out there, you could check out a TikTok account as well. Of course, a big thanks to Olivia for joining me and, and coming meeting me in London for our conversation. It was a fantastic chat and I hope all you listeners enjoyed it as well. Beyond this just being interesting to listen to and for me to have the conversation. I think Olivia is a great example of how if you're passionate about something and you really throw yourself at it, it can lead to all sorts of opportunities and places that you might not have initially thought of. So I hope any listeners out there get that encouragement from this. I definitely was inspired as well. So keep pursuing things that are important to you, any creative drives you have. But if you have an interest or a passion, just go for it because as you see, it can lead you all sorts of different places. But that's that from this episode. There's plenty more to come in the next few weeks. Of course, we've got our film reviews coming up. Callum will, of course, be returning. He's never too far around the corner to have a chat with me about a film. But plenty more conversation episodes to come. Keep checking out the back catalogue if you've not already listened to all our episodes. There's plenty out there on wherever you're listening to the podcast. But until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. I'll see you all later.